Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I am your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, a mom to four grown kids, granny to one baby boy, and I have been practicing the art of home for over 30 years. Thank you so much for trusting me with a little bit of your time today. I hope that this episode will provide some encouragement as you practice your art of keeping a home. We are more than halfway through season 11. So far this season, we have discussed wellness in the home. We have talked about marital intimacy. And last week, we heard a new homemaker portrait. We have two more homemaker portraits this week and next, and then we will close out season 11 with a special episode for the Art of Home's second birthday. Yes, we have been doing this for two years now. More to come on that soon. But if you want to be in the loop on everything that's happening and coming up on the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail. Each Friday during regular seasons, I will send you the latest news on the podcast, a little bit about my own homemaking journey, helpful resources and articles that are written by myself or another homemaker. And that is also the place to get access to any of the resources that are shared by our guests. So if they share a recipe or um, last year, Amber Davis shared a poem that she wrote, especially for our homemaker audience, for the Art of Home audience. And we shared that in the newsletter. So make sure you are subscribed. Just click on the link down in the show notes or go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. In today's show, I'm chatting with In the Trenches homemaker, Kelly Gunderson. Our In the Trenches category includes homemakers who have been practicing more than five years, but less than 25 years, generally. That's a general category, but that's kind of where these ladies are. They are past the newlywed stage, and they're working through how to prioritize marriage amidst a house full of kids, schooling, activities, their husband's career, maybe part of their career if they work outside the home, just all the things. There's a lot going on. Life is busy, and the demands on their attention are constant in this stage. Kelly is no exception, but her approach to this busy season is so refreshing. And here's a hint. It requires boundaries based on her family's values and what God has called her to in the season that she's in. And then it involves being intentional to thrive within those boundaries. We also have a brand new historical homemaker hints segment coming your way in the middle of this episode. So whatever you're applying your hands to as you listen today, I know that you will enjoy Kelly's story of home. I'm here with my friend Kelly Gunderson. And we're going to talk about her experience as an in-the-trenches homemaker. Uh, before we do that, Kelly, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are today. Okay. Um, I just celebrated our 13th anniversary on Monday. Congratulations. Thank you. That was fun. Um, so yes, I've been married to Michael for 13 years. Um, we have two kids, Jack and Karis. They're six and eight. Um I grew up here in San Antonio. I have four brothers. Um, my parents are here in town too, so we're all just kind of together. I stay home with our kids and am doing a homeschool experiment with one of them right now. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Four brothers. Mm-hmm. Where are you in the birth order? I'm fourth. Okay. I feel like I might as well be the youngest, but I'm yeah. I'm technically not. Okay. So, was that wild and crazy growing <clears throat> up with four brothers? 
It it was. So I'm a little short to play soccer for as long as I did, but having four brothers helped with my soccer career. So okay, but yeah, it um, yeah, it was fun. I always, I think, I kind of have had the perspective growing up that boys were just more fun, had more fun than girls there. So yeah, anyway, it was fun. It was rough and tumble though, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Well, okay. So let's go back to the beginning. So why don't you tell me when do you feel like you first became a homemaker? Yeah. So I, I moved to Orlando with, um, a girlfriend in 2007 Mm. and we got an apartment together and I've been thinking about that question a lot, but that apartment that we got together was more than just a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so being a, but I, I think I've struggled cause I'm such a different person than I was all those years ago. But that I think would be when I started, when I made my place to live your own, where we, where we, that apartment mattered, even though we didn't have very much time or really any money to <laughs> put into making that a home. But yeah. In our way, I should have talked with her about what that looked like. But well, what were you doing in Orlando? Because you were in San Antonio, <clears throat> and like, why Orlando? Yes. Yeah, so I started working for Southwest. Oh, okay. Um, as a flight attendant, so she moved out to go to nursing school. I moved because um, she and I talked. We didn't want to. She could go to nursing school and you know, many places in the country, but we didn't want it to be cold. Oh. So then we looked at all the Southwest bases, and it was either. Texas or Orlando, and I was too too junior to ever get into Texas, so Orlando it was. Oh, okay. So I started my Southwest career out there. Cool. All right. So then that was your first kind of home that was your own mm-hmm. that you were making with your roommate. And mm-hmm. then when did you meet Michael? So Michael and I went to college together. Mm, okay. Um, we joke, though, because it was a small enough school that you could always know you kind of knew who everyone was, even mm-hmm. though you didn't meet them. So we joke that we never, we met after we started dating, is, is what we joke. Because I was <laughs> realized that we were dating, and I'm like, we've never formally inter- been introduced to each other, because I always knew who he was. So, um, sorry, the short answer to that is I probably met him in, I'm trying to think what year that would have been, um, maybe 2005. Okay. Or I knew who he was, but yeah. I met him mm-hmm. in probably 2009 mm-hmm. after we were already dating. <laughs> <laughs> Small college yeah. situations. Okay. So, so yeah, we were just in different circles at college, but it was small enough that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you kind of know everyone there. Okay. And then you got married. Mm-hmm. And then, so now you're keeping a home mm-hmm. with a husband. Mm-hmm. And how was that different for you than keeping a home with, you know, your friend? Yeah. Um, So it was interesting because it was different. Well, she and I had two different apartments in Orlando. The second one we had together and then she moved out when Michael moved in. Mm. And so it was immediately different because we came home from our honeymoon and all her stuff was out Mm -hmm. of the apartment, which was very appropriate and all and all those things, but it was just like, oh my goodness, yeah, starting over, yeah. Um, but you said, how was that different? Yeah, I think I think I felt maybe 
pressure, self-imposed mm-hmm. pressure, because she and I just kind of threw together the food. We were both working full time and right. coming home. And I think I felt a need to, a desire to have a spread or do more as far as food. Yeah. And that was kind of exposing because I was not <laughs> up to that <laughs> challenge or I was up to it. I just didn't have the the skills. Just didn't have the, the skills. Yeah. Okay. So that was my next question. What What areas were you really finding that you were lacking in skills. Yeah. So I would say budgeting and cooking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was... Has it gotten better? It has. I know yeah. the cooking has because y'all are amazing cooks. Uh, I have benefited from your food. Uh, yes. Well, I have a great teammate who has helped me yeah. a lot. Um, but yeah, I I think I, I always would hold a budget um, at arm's length and just that's a bad, dirty word. And <laughs> and I see it as freeing now. I see those as boundaries that I can operate freely within and it's right. helpful. Right. So that has changed. Um, we viewed money very differently mm-hmm. prior to marriage. And so, um, so that was a few, a few conversations mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was helpful. And then as far as food, it's just cooking. It's just been a, a journey. I worked full time until Jack was born and then Jack was born and there was some action with having a baby at home. So I feel like it's just been, Michael's been very patient mm-hmm. is the point. <laughs> so yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, what about expectations? So what was something that surprised you, um, either good or bad, about keeping a home that you, just something you didn't expect? Yeah, I think um, how it's really easy to get in a rut, mm. whether it's just with a perspective or so. So yeah, I I can look back and see different meals that I made a lot, mm-hmm. and I was just in a in a rut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I thought it would just be more fluid. I would more quickly see. Oh, I need to adapt or pivot here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that very quickly. Yeah. Or didn't. Yeah. So I don't know. Was it was it a lot different? Because you said you worked full time mm-hmm. until how old is Jack? Eight? eight. You said he's eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you work full time until he was born. Um, so you've been home for eight years. What what was the I mean, was it did you find you had to adapt differently when you stayed home versus when you were working full time. Because a lot of times, let me clarify what I'm saying. A lot of times when the younger, when the couple say, when we were first married, before we had kids, we both were working full time. And it was still kind of almost like how you described with your girlfriend where y'all were just like, okay, tag teaming everything because you're both holding down full-time jobs outside the home. Was it like that with Michael or were you doing most of the homemaking and then how did it change when you stayed home? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I would say it was half and half maybe before Jack was born. I do remember coming home from trips and there being like a a spread on the table, like this beautiful dinner and the house was cleaned. So so I would say it was at at a minimum half and half. If mm-hmm. not, he was maybe doing more than I was. So you would go on a on a trip for Southwest. Mm-hmm. How many days would you normally be gone? Uh, three, three, two and a half, three. Okay. And then you'd come home mm-hmm. and he would have cleaned up and made a beautiful dinner for you. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I got a good one. Yes. (laughs) Um, But then there were, then it was kind of like maybe he just did that from what we had in the house. And so there was still a need to shop. I don't remember meal planning or anything back then. Okay. So I think you just kind of went to the store. Well, Um, I imagine it would have been hard to do that with your travel schedule. Yeah. Well, and then I was taking a lot of food with me on my trip to eat rather Uh than just buying everything at the hotels. And so there's, there's, then I would get in kind of like a rhythm with what I would take. And so, um, Mm. so yeah. That's interesting. Yes. So, okay. Well, what expectations have you had to let go of in order to facilitate the best home environment Mm, (laughs) for you and your family. Yes. Um, That it will come to me naturally, Mm. that creating an environment um, will come to me naturally or just the desire for things to to be done, to be perfect, to be completed, to just learn to live. I don't think I had the expectation or the understanding that there will be a need for a, um, I don't know, a piece within the unfinished. Mm, Yeah. I'm still working on that. Yeah. But I feel like I've been, I had hit walls with that. Maybe like, why can't I just, Mm -hmm. aren't things done? And Mm -hmm. that's Mm. not going to happen, but it's not a bad thing. No. So, the peace and the unfinished. I like that phrase. I have to remember that. <laughs> well, let's talk about kids because a lot of times our unfinishedness has a lot to do with our children. Um, how did the addition of children challenge and enrich your homemaking? I know it enriched my marriage. Okay. Um, That's part of your homemaking. Yes. Okay. It's all I was wrapped up to together. divide yeah. them, but I'm like, no, it goes together. Um, yeah, it grew, I would say, instant just respect and thankfulness and admiration for Michael. Um, He's such a great father and um, such a great helper in that. So there was that, which I think freed me to um, focus more here. Mm -hmm. So just to feel I had support, I had um, such a great teammate. Yeah. Um, Over time, I would say it wasn't immediately, but over time it, I grew to just have maybe more of an affection, Mm. um, a desire for my home to be a haven or to be a resting place or to be a place where there are no walls up. Mm -hmm. Um, as my kids have gotten older, I, I want this to be a safe place for them. So, so that's kind of been a, a desire in process, I wouldn't say that was an immediately thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, how about involving your kids in the homemaking? Yes. Are so, they involved and how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, we, Karis is a great little egg cracker. She just <laughs> loves, she will see cinnamon rolls from start to finish. She just has like this wow. persistence. So I'm I'm getting ready to pass off like the kitchen duties to her soon. <laughs> I think she just um as far as that part of doing things in the kitchen, mm-hmm. she just loves that. I think trying to I had the realization of I don't know a year or so ago that I'm just doing everything and not involving them in anything with the home. Right. So 
trying to slow down and make space um, in my day and my my mind and my plan for them to just learn mm-hmm. how to do all these things. So, I mean, they're learning to do their laundry and clean a bathroom and make cinnamon rolls. So there's that. But then it's also just like the attitude of what our home is, um, trying to um, cultivate conversation at dinner and just mm-hmm. um, when we're sitting around the table, we're just asking questions and um, or stating questions or stating doubts or struggles. So just trying to cultivate for them that here is a safe place too. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Karis going around and tidying up a lot. That's, I don't know. That's, she has, that's amazing. I don't, I don't great. know where that came from, but <laughs> she's, she's starting to own this space, which is fun. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I can tell that my kids have, um, an attitude of, or a curiosity about when we're having people over next or Aww. something. So I, I, I'm not sure where they've caught that, but I love that they like having people yeah. over and, uh-huh. and a lot of that involves sitting around a table and having food and conversation. So uh-huh. that's great. That's a great thing to instill so. in your kids. We'll talk some more about hospitality in a minute. Um, but I want to talk about priorities. Mm. What are some practical steps that you take to sort of set and keep your priorities? Because you have a busy household here with two young kids and all those things and your homeschool experiment and all that. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say my default is no mm. on adding things into my life. Um, it's not that it's definitely going to be a no, but... Um, we have just, yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And what I give myself to, I think I used to think I could multitask or multi-think. Um, so my practical, my initial thing is to say no, or to think, what am I going to not do? And so in order to do. Right. To say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something Yes. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I'm cringing as I say that because because <laughs> it's kind of a, a recent um, mind shift for me. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, that um, I think that's the first initial thing as far as practical steps that I take. Um, I wake up early. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I would like to think I could take a pause in the day and read my Bible or spend time with the Lord. If I'm, if I'm here in my house, it's just going to be so hard Mm -hmm. to do that unless I leave and go for a walk or something. Right. So getting up early is your strategy for having time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty common for moms with young kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to exercise early in the morning too. I'm kind of on a, a health pause with that right now, but that would be when I would fit that in too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, I don't know if social media is a thing for you or not, but I always like to ask, how do you maintain um, in your home personally and just as a family, a healthy relationship with social or just media in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I loved when we redid our house was there wasn't a um, a wall that I wanted to commit 
to a TV or there wasn't a good place to have, there's not a lot of empty wall space in here. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where it it came to me, but we put the TV on a rolling stand thing Mm -hmm. and it stays in the utility room. And so if we want to watch something, it's in the utility room and you've got to roll it out out and Uh set it up. But then if you want to lay in bed and watch a movie, Mm -hmm. you can roll it back to your room. And so I just, I find that we're, especially my kids, but we're all kind of drawn to the TV. And Mm -hmm. so if it's out here, it's just kind of calling to us, asking us to To turn it on. on. And so I just love that (laughs) it's not in sight normally. So that was, um, I feel like a huge remodel win Mm -hmm. is, it used to be on that wall, nailed to the wall and now... Yeah. It's living in the utility room. That is, I, that's really smart. I don't think I've ever heard anybody with that suggestion. And that's yeah. what they, it reminds me of school because that's what they did in school. You know, it was like a really fun day in school if they wheel the TV into yes. the room on the Yes, cart. I do remember that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, other, I recently, or not recently, I've never had anything on my phone. Mm-hmm. I think I had Instagram at one point, but I've taken it off. I need to take my email off my phone again and just have my phone be a phone. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's my kids don't really interact with anything mm-hmm. at this point. So, okay. Well, that's a great suggestion about the TV. Let's talk a little bit about um, challenges and temptations. So I'm going to give you um, three categories and tell me which one of these three you most identify with, or you can pick more than one if you would like. (laughs) Comparison to other women, other homemakers. Um, I'm just a homemaker. I just stay home. This isn't a real job. Or superwoman, trying to do all the things. I would say just a homemaker. Mm, I just stay at home. Or I'm not getting paid, so yeah, it's not real. It's not a real job. No paycheck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... What are some of the things that have helped you think about that differently? Yeah. Um, you know, with this schooling decision that we've made recently, I think um, I heard someone mention something about, um, or maybe it was in the news, I don't know, trusting our kids to the professionals. Mm. And I just think when it comes to my kids, I'm the professional for Jack and for Karis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wasn't, I would say, a natural mother. I wasn't someone that always just wanted to cook and stay home and take care of the kids. And so it, at times, has I've felt guilt over the challenges of Mm -hmm. pouring into my kids. But um, when I think about training them, I can say that I'm better equipped to know their their struggles and to know how to best help them over... um, whoever else they might be spending time with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what about any, do you have any particular challenges, special challenges? Sometimes in this category of question, people talk about things like infertility or, you know, whatever. There's lots of things that fall under that category. I don't think so. No. No, I was looking at that myself. And sometimes in community group, we'll just um, talk about that. We're waiting for our you're waiting big for it far, to come. Big child. <laughs> we haven't had it yet. <laughs> yeah, I think I read. Um, oh, I forgot which theologian or pastor said you're either in the Christian life. You're either. I'm not going to get this right, but it's like you're either coming out of a trial. 
you're in the middle of a trial or you're about to go into a trial. Yeah. You know, that's just I think I've heard that reality. Too. Yeah. Um, I know. Living in this world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll come. <laughs> and God will faithfully walk you through it. Mm-hmm. That's what's so great. And it is great to be in a family and to be in a marriage with someone you trust and respect because, you know, the challenges that we've gone through, like, I don't know that I could have made it without mm-hmm. my husband, you know, and he would say the same, like we, we just are one another support and mm-hmm. even stuff that's touched our whole family as my kids have gotten older, you know, just being able to support one another and yeah. um, it's invaluable. Oh Yeah. And it makes me really sad when I I hear about people or I meet people who just don't have anybody. Mm, Yeah. You know, so that's why it's, well, that leads very well into our next, that's a great segue. (laughs) I have myself on the back there. natural. Um, (laughs) Hospitality. Because there are so many really lonely people and people Mm. who just don't have um, the family support. So Mm -hmm. we will get back to Kelly's story of home in just a few minutes. Right now, it is time for historical homemaker hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not-so-helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from the post-wartime pamphlet, 1003 Household Hints and Work Savers. Why it's 1003 and not just 1000, I have no idea. It was somebody's idea for uh, marketing, I guess. They thought that was a better number. Well, my copy was given to me by my friend Alma Wakefield, who was one of our first guests way back in 2021 on the show. Uh, This copy was distributed by W.L. Moody and Company Bankers of Galveston, Texas, and it was printed in 1948. This handy little homemaking guide offers the following advice on caring for bed sheets. How much wear you will get from your sheets depends quite a lot on how you treat them at laundering time. To hang a sheet on the clothesline, put a third or a half of the sheet over the line as sheets pinned at the corners and the edges are likely to tear. Do not use many folds when sheets are ironed. Occasionally fold in different places. Repeatedly creasing in the same place may cause the fabric to crack. Well, I cannot speak to hanging the sheets on the line because I don't do that, but the tip does make sense. And while I do not feel the need to iron my sheets, It is a good idea to fold sheets in different ways each time so as not to develop creases in the same area, which could weaken the fabric over time. I know I can hear some of you saying, but I avoid that altogether by only having one set of sheets, which comes off the bed, goes into the wash, and then goes right back on the bed again. If that works for you, awesome. But I will forever extol the benefits of having two sets of sheets for each bed in your home. I cannot tell you how many times when I only had one set, I would strip the bed in the morning, wash and dry the sheets, only to realize at bedtime that I had not yet made up the bed. Having extra sheets for each bed will also allow for quick turnaround of a guest bedroom. One guest can leave at 9 a.m. and the room can be ready for the next guest by 10 a.m. without too much extra effort on my part. And do I even need to tell you how valuable extra sheets can be when a bed must be changed in the middle of the night due to sickness or a potty training accident? Here are a couple of tips to help you get the most out of your candles. Don't risk wobbly candles. Melt some paraffin, pour it into the socket, and put the candle in while it is still hot. Chill candles in the refrigerator for 24 hours before using them on the table. They will burn evenly and will not drip. 
I can heartily recommend the tip about stabilizing candles in their holders with a little bit of melted wax. I've been doing that for ages. Either melt the bottom of the candle a bit with the flame before you put it in the holder. Now that does tend to discolor the bottom of the candle. So I don't know if that's what you want to do. If it's going to be hidden by the by the candle holder, it doesn't really matter. Um, the alternative is to light the candle, tip it down so that it's dripping into the candle holder and it drips a bit of a small pool of wax in the bottom and then turn it back on, you know, blow it out, turn it back on its right side while the while the melted wax is still hot and put that taper in its place and that will hold it. And sometimes you have to hold it for just a second until the wax on the bottom hardens, but it will keep it nice and stable and keep it from wobbling around. However, I'm not so sure about putting the candles in the refrigerator. I did read some things that said um, it's sort of an old an old wives' tale to put your candles in the freezer uh, in order to help them from melting too quickly or dripping all over your table or whatever the tip was. Several uh, websites that I consulted said that you run the risk of actually cracking the candle all the way through if you get it too cold because the wick inside the candle will absorb absorb moisture from inside the refrigerator or the freezer and it will cause it to crack. However, I can attest to putting fabrics inside the freezer that have gotten some wax dripped on them, whether it's a tablecloth or a runner or a placemat or a napkin, it freezes the wax enough so that you can then scrape it off of the fabric and get most of the residue of that wax off. But putting the whole candle in the fridge or the freezer, I I just don't think I'd want to risk cracking the the candle. So I'm going to have to skip that one. And one final tip. It is good psychology to keep a box of facial tissues in the bathroom when guests are in the house. Most women will thoughtfully use these instead of guest towels to remove excess lipstick. I'm not sure why this practice is considered good psychology. Perhaps if you have guests ignoring a box of tissues and instead staining your hand towels with their lipstick, you may determine that they are not very good friends. Well, that's all for today's Historical Homemaker Hints. As always, these hints are intended for entertainment purposes only, and we leave it up to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. Now back to Kelly's story. What are some practical ways that you guys show hospitality to one another Mm -hmm. and to people outside of your home? Yeah. Um, To people outside our home, um, we host a community group Mm -hmm. every week. Um, We, it's interesting. There have been nights that have been like a brown bag. Bring your own dinner type of thing and everyone's eating their own thing. And then there's other nights where we all come together and share a meal. And I feel like the conversation or the tone or just the atmosphere is different Mm -hmm. if we're coming together around a shared meal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so, it's so, it's wild, but I think that it's richer and it's deeper. And so that's one thing that I feel like we've just grown to love is just um, trying to make a nourishing meal that we can share with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so community group has been a very kind um, guinea pig for us. Yeah, and so it's been it's been a great time. Um, well, I have to ask you because I love the 
wonderful brisket tacos that you guys made for us and brought to us for Sunday morning. Um, so what's your latest thing that you've made, nourishing meal that you've made for your community group? Like one of your favorites recently, something that you've done. Um, so there's um, this Whole30 Sloppy Joe recipe mm. that is surprisingly tasty. Yeah. it Well, no, it's not. It's really good. Uh-huh. Um, and it's... There was a couple in the group that was doing Whole30, and I knew I had that. Oh. And so it was so easy. And then I just made extra for us so that there's a an entree waiting in the freezer when, nice. when I need it in a pinch. That's a good um, practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was, that was, that's always surprisingly good. I think I get nervous. I'm just doing potatoes and this sloppy joe thing, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds yummy. Yeah. What about kids? So when you guys meet for community group, you have everybody's there. Mm-hmm. And is it a multi-generational kind mm-hmm. of group? Or Okay. Mm-hmm. So not everybody is in your same stage of life. Right, right. But so when the, you meet, it's families. The kids are there. The people who have kids have their kids with them. Right. Well, actually, um, we're the only ones that have children still living oh, in the home. Okay. So it's just my kids. So I kind of feel like it's cheating in a sense, but <laughs> it's just my kids and their space. So they, they kind of come in and out, but they normally end up just falling asleep reading books mm-hmm. type of thing. So okay, they're kind of a non-factor. So what about some other, um, any other ways that you show hospitality to others outside the home? Um, we, we like food. Um, so I think we, we have traveled with our our food um, mm-hmm. to try to. I think we've sh- we've shared meals with people at different places. I should try to think about hospitality that doesn't include food. Maybe that would be a better <laughs> thought because I just like food. It's just food. Well, um, I, I mean, in most cultures, hospitality centers around food. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is, and I think it's. It's that way for a reason. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, God has given us um, a picture of hospitality all throughout the Bible. And I'll, I mean, so many pictures that God gives us involve food, mm-hmm. all the feasts, all mm-hmm. the sacrifices um, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. When people were bringing those sacrifices, unless it was one that was meant to be entirely burnt up, mm-hmm. which was only a couple of them, the other ones were meant to be eaten, mm-hmm. you know. With the priest there, the the offer eats it there. It was a meal mm-hmm. um, to be enjoyed. So I think the way that God meets us um, is oftentimes centered around food, and so it makes sense to me that the way that we would connect and meet with one another is around food. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I think kind of in the the season that I'm in right now, it's a lot of. Um, a lot of people in my home more so than, um, well, like I said, there was the, the traveling, taking meals to different teams at church or friends. Um, but really I think there's also like the attitude that when I'm with people here, Mm -hmm. I hope that they, um, feel welcome, feel like they belong, feel like they're seen and heard or they're welcome to join in. Yeah. Whatever is going on, um, it's not a an intrusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that for me <clears throat> is just having the awareness to be present and 
you know, have the opportunity to be with someone. So how can I say no to whatever is bouncing around in my head possibly and just mm. be present where I'm at, even if that means, you know, come do with me what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't feel like I do that a lot. Um, have that opportunity to just spend time with people apart from more groups in my home. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, and some of that is your life stage too. So. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I think it's something that I'm working to practice more with my mm-hmm. kids too, is just the undivided attention yeah. when I am down on the floor or having the conversation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just be with them. Just be present with them. Yeah. I mean, cause that's the heart of hospitality is to sit and listen to yes. the other person. Yes. And like you said, say no to all the things bouncing mm-hmm. around in your brain, mm-hmm. vying for your attention. Right. Um, to make somebody feel like they're welcome and belong, you have to pay attention to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to them and their needs and what they're saying. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> um, it was interesting. I was taking some time away for a few hours one day and, um, it was just kind of praying and being with the Lord. And, um, this thought came to my mind just about my kids and the struggle of, I feel all these competing poles, you know, whether it's cleaning or cooking or mm-hmm. whatever the things. And, and the thought just came into my mind about that. I don't enjoy being with my kids oh. and, and I had the time and I had, and I was in the mentality that, okay, this is time with the Lord. I'm going to pursue that thought. And so I kind of went down that path and I felt like the Lord led me to the place where the question, the obstacle in the path was, but are you really with them when you're with them? And so the result of that first thought and going down that path was that the Lord showed me that I'm divided mm-hmm. when I'm with them. And it was, it was such a, it was such a gift. It was humbling and it was you know, certainly painful to see, but it was a gift that I love my children so much, but I don't have the practice of, of just my presence when I'm with them. And so, so I think that's the bigger, yeah, the, the, the pressing hospitality thing in my home is to just be with the people yeah. that are here. That so. is a gift mm-hmm. that he showed you that. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Well, how do you feel like homemaking helps to build community? Mm. Um, I feel like if we're sitting at my table sharing a meal, you know, we're just two ladies sharing a meal. We're not Republicans and Democrats or this or that. Mm -hmm. We're just, walls are broken down when you just come in and you sit and you talk. Or, you know, in my home, you see that I'm just a normal person trying to to do all the things. Yeah. And so I, I think it, it just breaks down, it breaks down, breaks down walls. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great answer. It absolutely does when it's done well. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, about homemaking. Tell me about your biggest homemaking fail <laughs> so far. Uh- yeah, I can see it. I I should have asked Michael about this, but there was this taco casserole, Mexican casserole rut that I was in for a long time. 
bless his heart. But yeah, I see, I see the picture. <laughs> so yes, I would say taco casserole rut. Yeah, that was a fail. So have you ever, like, you never, never again can you have taco casserole? <laughs> well, I can't have that one. Okay. That Mexican. I could see the all recipes, like, image. <laughs> I can't do that again. That was a bad rut. So. Well, what about a win, a homemaking win? Um, I, this was hard for me. Um, biscuits to make biscuits from scratch is Mm -hmm. not terribly intimidating anymore. Oh, good. That was my, my win. Uh, They might be kind of flat and compressed and dense, but I'm learning. Yeah. And I'm excited and I'm not scared of them. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Biscuits are, I think everybody should learn how to make biscuits from scratch because once you've got it it's like there it's there yeah forever and you you've it's not usually the recipes aren't terribly complicated no. you just, just have, have to, to roll softly and you yeah it's a feel thing yeah like I, you have to get the feel for what the dough is supposed to feel like and but once you got it you got it see i think that's with so many things is i just i get scared of them so i don't even try and then once i try i'm like oh that wasn't that bad yeah. i'm not an expert at it but uh-huh. I'm I'm willing to just jump in there and get my hands dirty. Well, that's again. good. That's yeah. a that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what about a product, a homemaking product or resource that you are loving right now? Um, I have these candles that I can't find the name of them, but I love them. They don't drip. Nice. That, that's not it because that's dripping. But. <laughs> they wouldn't leave wax all over my table. They were wonderful. Wild. I got them in Oregon, so I need to go back to Oregon and and buy some candles. That will be my reason for a the good, trip. A good reason to go to Oregon. <laughs> I need candles. Yes. Okay, anything else? Any other resources or what's your go-to resource for recipes or do you just make them up? I do not make them up. Okay. I need to try to do that. Um I have these a few cookbooks yeah. that I really like. Um, I should probably try to branch out of those as well, but they've kind of, they they changed the contents of my pantry and kind of changed how I viewed nourishment, which mm-hmm. was foundational, I think, for me. So that was good. Um, those are Run Fast, Cook Fast cookbooks. Oh, um, that's uh, Run Fast, Cook Fast. Christine. Yes. Is that who put those on, put you onto those or no? Michael, or you put Michael put me onto those. Okay. And then or you put her onto that cuz that's she talked about those same cookbooks. Yes, I think yeah, she probably heard about them from me. Okay. But yes. I don't know where Michael just came home with it from the uh-huh. library one oh, day. How about that? And I've, I've, I don't know if the, it was, it must have been the kindness of the Lord that like laid it on his mind because hmm. I was in a major rut. Aww. And those like brought us out of a rut. And that's good. It was a good thing. Yeah. But okay. he can't remember where he heard about him either. I'm going to so. have to check out these cookbooks because now that you're the second person to talk about <laughs> them. Um, okay. So, what about a favorite homemaking hack or tip? Mm. Um, so I'll make bone broth or mineral broth sometimes mm-hmm. and then freeze it. And I normally do it in a gallon bag. Right. Um, and I haven't tried those cube things yet, but I recently 
um, decided to fold the gallon bag in half because you can't stick a gallon size frozen anything in a stew pot in a pot and right. it work. But if you fold the bag in half, mm. then it's just like six inches wide and you can easily put it in a bowl and it won't go everywhere or put it in the stew pot. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I just make my broth, lay it flat, fold the bag on half. Lay the next one next to it, fold the bag on half. And then you freeze them mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you get how do you get it out of the bag? I'm trying to imagine this, because if it's folded in half, mm-hmm. how do, do you let it thaw out in a bowl or something for a bit so that you can get it out of the bag? Not normally. Sometimes I do, but I'll just cut the bag, just cut the cut Ziploc, okay. and it peels right off, and then you can just stick it in the pot or stick it in the bag smart. or in the bowl. Yeah, that's really um, smart. So that was my... That's a good tip. That's my one hack tip. Awesome. Okay, well, how do you see homemaking as an art? <laughs> this question made me laugh. Because um, <laughs> like I said, four brothers yeah. playing soccer. It was kind of when I think about that question, I think about a bowl in a china, cho- china shop mm-hmm. or a fine art gallery. I... I'm not artistic or creative on my own. I'm a great copier um, or a great imitator. So to me, that means, um, you know, while it may be unnatural to me, it takes practice or perseverance, humility, um, and learning that like my perception of beautiful is unique and that is totally fine. How I do things in my home or things mm-hmm. um, is what works for us and that's fine. So I think of art, I think of homemaking and it's intimidating to me, mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna, I keep, I haven't signed up for the the art with the paint lessons yet, but I'm going <laughs> to keep showing up to make this space beautiful and mm-hmm. um comforting and yeah. welcoming. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I can see that there's been progress. I can see that I've grown in it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like an expert or a master in any sense of the word, but I'm in it and I'm, I'm trying to learn to paint in my house and it's, we're slowly getting there. That's and awesome. So, well, I've been doing it for 30 years and I don't feel like a master either. So yeah. I don't think you ever really arrive. It's, it's a process mm-hmm. for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit more about beauty and what kind of strategies you employ to find beauty in just all the mundaneness mm-hmm. of this job, just the sameness of laundry and dishes and all the same, you know, just, you have to keep showing up to do those things. So where yeah. do you, how do you find beauty in that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely the, the season, the calling that the Lord has given me for this season. Mm -hmm. And so um, thinking about my kids and that uh, more is caught than taught, I don't want to just do things with a facade so that they're catching something, but my heart in doing the dishes or doing the laundry or um, is just, this is where the Lord has called me to right now. So I want to do it. Well, I care was scratching Michael's head and reading him a book a few weeks ago. And the scratching was just 
It was pathetic. It was just, you know, a little, every like one scratch a minute. And so I showed her how you scratch daddy's head. And that's a silly example. But just in the things that I do, um, you know, this is where the Lord put me. So do it to, yeah. do it to honor the Lord. Do um, it well. Do it well, because mm-hmm. he's worthy of that. And then it's also just, um, I'm... I'm making order. I'm pushing down the chaos mm-hmm. of kind of the curse and I'm making mm-hmm. order in my little space. And yeah, you know, that's what the Lord called us to. There's a um there's a really great book that explores that theme. Mm. Um it's called uh Glory in the Ordinary. Oh, yes. By Courtney Riesig, I think. I wonder if I've read that. Maybe that's where that thought came from. It's really, really good. I read it a few years ago, and I was like, man, I wish I had had this book when I had Littles Mm. at home, because it's, I mean, it's applicable to any of us, but she's specifically speaking to people, you know, women who've got Littles and who are in your stage um, when you're just doing all those same things. But she talks a lot about that, about you're making order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful thing because it's a way that we can imitate our creator when we do that. So how about gratitude? Why is gratitude important for the homemaker? And how have you find, found that gratitude helps you in your homemaking? Um, I think it's just all of life. Um, you know, I think about uh, my husband and I feel like that he is so helpful. I feel like I'm always just saying thank you mm-hmm. to him. Um, I don't want to take that for granted. I like to end the conversation with some words of wisdom, sort of like an open letter from a mm-hmm. in the trenches homemaker <laughs> to the older women and to the younger women. So to the older women... What would you say to them? Um, uh, what would you want them to know about your experience in, as a homemaker in this particular stage in your generation? What do you want them to know about about what it's like for your generation? Hmm. And how can they come alongside and help you? Yeah. You know, I think it would, it feels hectic. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm really actively resisting in order to to show up for what I think the Lord has called me to do. Um, so I think it would strike me as refreshing if the generation ahead of me was, um, present Mm -hmm. or if they reached out and with, with bandwidth to, um, I don't know, to care, Mm -hmm. um, to not just, I don't know, I guess to, to, yeah, to have bandwidth f- for that. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think there's a culture, a, a lot of comparison or a lot of, you know, um, Pinterest perfection or whatever. So just yeah. encouragement yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. your kids aren't the only ones that are doing this and that. Or your, you know, show just encouragement. I think it can feel like a lot of um, failure. Mm. And I know that that's like the enemy's um, ploy, but like 
you're doing a good job, mama. Or just yeah. don't just, and yeah, see something, maybe, maybe take the time, make the space in your mind to like see something and speak to that. Mm. That would be so life-giving. To see a struggle and speak encouragement yes. in that struggle. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would be happy to have someone come hang out with us, but it would feel a little chaotic. So maybe more practical might just be yeah. um, encouragement mm-hmm. for, for the mom in this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. What about somebody coming behind you? Somebody younger mm-hmm. who's maybe just starting her homemaking journey. Maybe she's newly married. Um, younger kids. Yeah. What would you say to her? What advice would you give her? Encouragement. Um, I would say to be present in this stage, in the season that you're in. Um, really work to be present and see the beauty in that. See the things that are opportunities and gifts. Mm. Um don't view your boundaries as weakness, but maybe a wisdom from the Lord. Mm. So to embrace those boundaries and, um, yeah, operate within them. And, you know, there will be the occasional thing that will... Don't, don't function from a place of frequent overextension. Like yeah. the Lord yeah. gave you those boundaries. And uh-huh. I remember wishing you know, for diapers to be gone or whatever, so that I, you know, could get all my groceries in without yeah. multiple trips because of a <laughs> diaper bag or whatever. That's probably a simple um, example. But just, I, I'm bound by a diaper bag right now. And so, <laughs> so see that as like wisdom and not a weakness and mm-hmm. yeah. just, I don't know. I like that. No, I like that perspective. It's similar to something that um, my husband and I say all the time. It was a teaching we heard a long, long time ago about pasture. That's another theme that comes up a lot in the Bible, that God gives us good green pasture, um, but that there is a gate that we have to go in through, and that's Jesus, and that there are boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, the pasture's wide. There's all kinds of room to move around there, and it's it's where He wants us to be, Um but he does give us some boundaries and those are for our good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we keep jumping over those yes. boundaries, then we're going to find ourselves out of the pasture and not yeah. in a good place. Mm-hmm. So I really like that, seeing your your boundaries as a gift and as a wisdom rather than as a weakness mm-hmm. to be overcome or mm-hmm. just bear through it until it's over, mm-hmm. which is often how you feel right. um, when you're in that stage of diapers and bottles. And Right. I think I had a stint with, Superwoman there, and mm-hmm. I did not go well. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. Well, that's a really good word, and that's a good place to stop. Thank you for sharing your story of home yeah. with us. Yes, I'm so glad to. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this homemaker portrait of Kelly Gunderson. I hope you have found a nugget or two of wisdom to chew on, and maybe apply in your own homemaking. I'm going to be chewing for a while on the idea of seeing boundaries as wisdom from the Lord instead of seeing them as weaknesses to be overcome. This idea echoes something we have explored before on The Art of Home, that is, living within our limits. God is the only one who is limitless. When we seek to achieve limitlessness, we are grasping at autonomy and self-sufficiency, But the problem is we do not have the capacity 
for true autonomy or true self-sufficiency. No one does, only God. Seeing our limits or our boundaries as a gift, or as Kelly put it, as a wisdom from the Lord, shifts our focus from self and circumstances to Jesus, the only one who can meet every need, desire, and hope of our hearts. Jesus not only said he was the good shepherd, he also said, I am the door. He who enters by me will come in and out and find good pasture. Yes, he has placed boundaries on our lives, a specific door or gate through which we must enter, that is himself, and a specific pasture in which we must live. But did you see that last part? The pasture inside those boundaries is always good, and we have a choice to make. We can either rest and find the wisdom in the boundaries, or we can push past them and in our restless discontentment, keep jumping the fence. But you know what's outside the fence, friends? Wolves and thieves. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10 Within the limits of your diaper bag your aging parent, your apartment or rental home, your financial struggle, your lack of cooking skills, God has waiting for you some wisdom and a flourishing life. Will you agree to let him be God and to thrive within your limits? If you have found value in today's episode, would you give the show some love in one of the following ways? First, Share it with a homemaker you know who would be encouraged by this conversation. Second, leave us a rating and a review on your podcast app. And then third, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, Buy Me a Coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments, and you can give as few or as many as you like. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash theartofhome. Don't forget to subscribe to Homemaker Happy Mail before Friday so that you can get a copy of this week's newsletter. If you want to preview what the newsletters look like, you can browse the archives on our website. I just began archiving past newsletters starting with season nine, but archives will only be updated a couple of times a year. So you want to still be on the mailing list in order to get them as soon as they are available. But if you want to get a little preview of what you're signing up for, head over to theartofhomepodcast.com slash newsletter archive. Well, that's all for this week's episode. I will be back next week with another new homemaker portrait. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. Maybe we should redo that. Okay, I feel like I'm rambling. You totally, if you want to redo it, you can redo it. I don't really know what I'll say to redo it. (laughs) It wasn't rambling. Oh, okay. I don't. I didn't think it was rambling. Okay. But if you're not happy with your answer, we can redo it if you want. And I'm. I'm hoping my kids are catching that. I feel like we're um, trying to train that. And that ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was struggling with this earlier. I'm yeah. Like, I don't know. It's okay. It's not the question to struggle with, Kelly. And then I'm like, no, I'm struggling with it. That's fine. (laughs) Um, That's okay. Yeah. We can skip it. Okay, let's skip it. Okay, we'll skip it. (laughs)